Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks. And remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want they to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to the In Search of series here on the Illuminati Social Club. I'm your host, Jason from Parma. Joining me from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Oliver Oxide. Hello, all. How's everybody doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm superbo, thank you. Excellent. And from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Doc Pinko, Steve Cloutier. How the heck are you? I'm heckin' fine. Good. Still, still no ears, though. No ears. No, I'm still no ears. <laughs> uh, this week, we are talking about Season 6. Se- yeah. Season 6, Episode 14, Future Life. Now, my initial, and this is before I even turned it on, you know, before I even started it, I said, I'm a sucker for videos from the past that look at the future to come. They better not disappoint me. (laughs) Uh, Postscript, they disappointed me. Disappointed. (laughs) Oliver, what were your impressions? Well, if you ever want to know who the four nerds of the apocalypse are, they, they're at the start of this episode. Um, the um, uh, This is the highest praise I can give this episode, Jason. Yes. Um, I think we are going to be creating a special uh, award because this is the greatest comb-over in human history <laughs> is on this show. So if you like weird hairdos and weird facial hair... It's oh, yeah. the only thing I can recommend about this episode. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Am I? Uh, let's. I mean, God, there were there were so many great combovers in in you know the. Oh no! This this, this in the just, geek community. It, this thing is got a life of its own. It is. <laughs> it is from. It is. It is from ear to ear. <laughs> Steve, what were your impressions? I want my jetpack. They promised me jetpacks. Yeah, I know. They promised we'd be living in space by now. No, yeah, MI6, MI, MI6 promised you jetpacks. Jet right. <laughs> That's true. I, I think it's just a conspiracy of the Jesuits and the Rothschilds. And stuff, but. Ooh. <laughs> Callback. Uh, so. Yeah, this was uh, definitely an episode. So. Barely an episode. En- enough of us. Uh, let's let a computer do the mm, something. Oh, I am a computer. I was programmed to tell you that your future isn't what it used to be. And neither is mine. Mankind is entering a future of unlimited possibilities. Tomorrow's city is now being constructed in steel and concrete. Engineers work on a bold new space-age city in the middle of the Arizona desert. What we see may give us a glimpse of life in the 21st century. There are some who say future life isn't here at all, that it exists somewhere in space. Is this tomorrow? No. Um, First of all, 
Go home, computer. You're drunk. <laughs> that computer sounded like, well, keeping on brand, that computer, that, that was like Chekhov does a computer. I, was, <laughs> I didn't understand a word. I was, the only thing, if it ever said nuclear vessels, I would get it. But apart <laughs> from that, I didn't get a word. Um, and I, I, I got a kick out of this part. Tomorrow's city is being constructed in steel and concrete. <laughs> As opposed to wooden straw like every other city prior to 1980, it's a it and it's in the middle of the desert in Arizona. It's a meth yes. lab now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Steve has, has will tell us all about what what became of that little town. It, but, it's uh, still but, it's still around. Um, oh, yeah. it's you know it's it's a you know it's an ongoing project. Have the hippies moved in? Like all, those, probably, all, all those Sedona twerps. Uh yeah, they they have a bell foundry there now. Interesting. Oh really? Mm-hmm. They sell bells. Oh, there you are. There's your Jesuit connection. There yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Told you it's a conspiracy. Oh, and final note on the intro: uh, it's 2020, and we're still not living in space. A few of us are, you know, the astronauts who live on this space station, but that's it. We're not, I'm not living in space. I'm not up in space right now. I am on the. I'm in the second story of a Parma bungalow. <laughs> That's the closest I've gotten. Is it in space? It's not in space. Not in space. Okay. I'm taking up space. Um. Anyone before we move on here? Not from me. No. All right. By the middle of the next century, I suspect that there may be literally millions of people every year moving out into space and back again, quite routinely. I think that most of the existing diseases like cancer, heart disease, and so forth will be either totally conquered or much diminished in frequency by the end of this century. The evolution of the computer is going to impact everything that we do, including even the evolution of man himself. I think science is becoming so powerful that... The problem that will face us in the future is how to decide what we want, not not uh, how to decide what we can get. Today, prediction of the future is the full-time study of a specialized group called futurists, 20th century visionaries. The mysteries they probe may hold the key to not only the quality of our life, but to our very survival. If they are right, we may soon realize our wildest dreams. I mean, they couldn't afford, like, any good futurists. I, the only one that they really got in here that I've heard of is Marvin Minsky. Yeah. Uh, he's the co-founder of MIT's AI Laboratory. Um, other than that, the rest uh, of these guys are well, hacks. Well, I, I think we should be a little bit fair in the fact that, you know, in the year two, uh, 2020, uh, we, we have... We have done remarkable work with cancer. Oh, we have. Because outside of pancreatic cancer, which is still basically a death sentence, mm-hmm. um, we've come a long, long way in 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 certainly cancer survivor rates. <laughs> so I'll give I'll give them half a point for that one. Right. Moving um, back and forth to space. Uh, no. 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 Uh, pretty oh, much none yeah. of these things uh, have happened, uh, with the exception of Computer Guy, but yeah. I'm going to get into him uh, with the next clip. Um, I, I wish, you know, I, I wished he would have mentioned computers in our pockets because, you know, 
that would have been something. But we'll get into it. Uh, then they go back to the Arizona town, Arco Santi. Um, it's an ongoing project in Arizona, uh, still going on today. Probably a hippie commune. Um, oh, yeah. Paulo, Paulo Soleri died in 2013 at age 92. Um, and then, uh, they talk, they go into like building large hot houses for agriculture there. Um, well, yeah, that's kind of what you have to do there. Um, we do, oh, we have, we have a callback or two in this episode. Uh, first of all, I, I had to say futurists are an odd set to me. Yeah. I mean, they pretty much just sit and try to figure out or, you know, try to think about what's going to happen in the future. Well, yeah, they're, they're dreamers who get mm. paid. I mean, that's basically what it is. <laughs> and most of them are not scholars. A lot of them are writers. They're yeah, you know, a lot of sci-fi writers in there. Yeah, Asimov, uh, I guess, was the fam- yes. most famous futurist. Yeah. Roddenberry, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov. I mean, they're they're all considered futurists. Mm. But we get a callback to the Super Children episode. Oh God! The mm-hmm. the computer camp. That yep. was that was direct footage from that from the Super Children episode. <laughs> um. Anyone, Steve? Anything to add? Well, Paulo Soleri, um, was he wearing jean shorts? Mm-hmm. I thought so. It's like, oh, there's a callback. I haven't worn jean shorts in shorts in years, and they were very he's, tight too. He's a you know, he, he was a visionary. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, and I mean nobody except for Catherine Bach, should ever wear <laughs> jean shorts. <laughs> All right. Now the now the clip I have a bone to pick. Computer expert Lou Crane speculates on where computer technology is heading. If we were to try to look just 50 years down the future, the impact of computers is going to be absolutely phenomenal. The evolution of computers is going to affect everything that we do, including even the evolution of man himself. Today's computers certainly cannot think. They can only perform pre-coded tasks in a precise, one-step-at-a-time type technique. Basically, they're performing tasks at a tremendous rate, but they're not thinking. But down the road, I'm sure that programs will be written that will allow computers literally to think, to be able to react to their environment, to change their environment, to program themselves. And this will be utterly necessary for a space probe, as an example. So, I feel like this guy said a lot of words and said really not much at all. No. I mean, every... I mean, he's talking in 1980. I mean, Roddenberry was seeing AI and machine learning... In 1969, or whenever Star Trek... Oh, when did Star Trek come out? 66. 66. 66. Arthur C. Clarke was seeing the same thing. I mean, this guy's got nothing new. (laughs) And, you know, computers are going to be a big impact on our lives. Well, 
Par- pardon the uh, the the non PC here. You know, Clara warning. No shit, Sherlock. I mean, we could only see that in 1980. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I think I think the problem with this episode is is they try to overextend themselves. Mm-hmm. Like like if he if he had just sort of talked about sort of the ways in which computers might have changed their lives, but uh, you know, and in, in a very dated phrase, he 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 links it to the evolution of man. Mm-hmm. Right, I think, and I think they're they're like you're, they're overstretching. Like, like we can all agree because it's true that computers have cha- changed the way we live. Oh yeah, but he he tries to sort of make it that this kind of deep, profound, philosophic thing where mm-hmm. even the evolution of humanity itself will be changed by computers. Oh, of course. So, so I think that's the problem with this episode is 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 they're trying to reach too far mm-hmm. well that that it's a very arthur c clark kind of ideal mm-hmm. yeah you know of the of this kind of thing and yes you're right i mean i don't know how they stretch this episode past five minutes let alone 22 yeah, no so kidding. yeah yeah um yeah the computer expert guy keeps bringing up how computers will lead to evolutionary changes no no they no 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 Evolution evolution doesn't work that way. You're a scientist. No. You're supposed to know this. <laughs> uh, you kind of steal a line from another movie and to butcher it. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Exactly. <laughs> uh, in there also we had Marvin Minsky, who, who of course, you know, uh, co-founder of MIT's AI Lab. Um, now we meet Dr. Wolford. I now believe that we've located or identified the major genetic control area that regulates aging. And if in the future we can learn how to stimulate this or otherwise uh, control it, we may be able to increase lifespan substantially. Dr. Roy Walford, professor of pathology at UCLA. Like other medical researchers, Dr. Walford is convinced that the great medical discoveries of the future will be the result of our ability to understand and manipulate our genetic code. So, uh, yeah, Dr. Wolf, Dr. Walford isn't right. Uh, no, there, there is no, In so many ways. There is no one gene that we have that controls aging. It is a, it's a lot of factors. And actually, there is no gene that controls aging. But it's, also, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, there is nothing. Up, and it, you know, this might have changed. I don't know, but apparently there is nothing in us that says that we have to age. But we age because we do. Uh, well, there's a couple of things that are that are to me that are a more overriding thing in this, mm-hmm. and and I think that this has kind of died away. I think. Uh, number one, once you start doing with, with this, we, we have been confronted by many ethical questions about genetic manipulation and so on and so forth. Right. Because there absolutely is a good side to it, but there's also a very bad side to mm-hmm. it. And uh, I, I guess because it, this was kind of at full flush that they didn't really look at it, at it that way. One thing that they should have 
is that the we speak about climate change and we speak about environmental disaster to our planet. There would be no bigger environmental disaster to our planet than if we didn't die. Mm-hmm. It would be horrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how we be are able to live on this planet is because we go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they I think this was all the rage in the 70s and 80s. And I, I think it's kind of still a rage, but it's in a kind of a different way. Right. Um, it's kind of switched over from living forever to well-being, if I can use that buzz mm-hmm. term. Um, but when when everybody talks about aging back in the 80s and the 70s, it's like people. It would be a disaster. Well, especially since he, I don't know if you have a clip for this, so I'm so I may be sort of saying something too early. I probably but, don't. I only have one more clip. <laughs> okay, but he suggests that we could live to be 600 years old. Mm. Well, hey, come on, they, they did in the Bible. Yeah, come yeah, on. Noah did. <laughs> uh, come on, Noah was 900. No, Methuselah was 900. Okay. Which, one oh, no, was I'm, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Noah built the ark when he was 600. That's right, yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dr. Walford goes into a bunch of utopian ideas about people living until 120, 150, or 180. Please let your last clip be the greenhouse guy, please. Uh, no, it's actually just the final clip <sighs> of this. Sorry. Okay. Then we, can we talk about the greenhouse guy now? Sure, go ahead. Okay, well, first of all, again, I always like to point out the positive. The greenhouse thing is the most fascinating thing in this. Because it, it, it seems like that's really been thought through, and it seems to really work and and do well. But you never really kind of get the depth of that because you're too busy staring at greenhouse guys come over. <laughs> Which is, I know that I, I know that I kind of opened up, opened with this. It, it, it has to be witnessed to be, be believed. It is fantastic. Uh, you know, you know, I'm going to YouTube right now to look that clip up. Um, no, we maybe we should just put a link in the episode so well, people I, can. Well, I, I put the video. You know, I, I put the okay. video in the. Uh, you know, in the episode itself. So if you want to watch the episode, I don't know why you would. Um, but <laughs> if you haven't gathered by now, we're not recommending it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one more clip. It's the final clip of the episode. If our destiny lies in outer space, it may be, as philosopher Eric Hoffer stated, man is a stranger on this planet. The seed of man originated amongst the stars. Does this explain our preoccupation with the heavens, the stars, and the gods? No. No. No, it explains that we're explorers. We we want to venture out. We ventured out of the caves. We ventured off our continent and we ventured off our planet but can i just mention something else that Leonard should have known well actually he wouldn't have known at this point but even in star trek canon we don't go anywhere no Mm. somebody finds us Mm -hmm. right we have the means to go somewhere but we still even in even in star trek we haven't gone anywhere somebody comes to come to get us (laughs) 
So, I mean, this is, I, and I can't imagine, you know, as we get closer and closer to, to really this kind of time, I can't, I can never foresee a, 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 a civilization on Mars. I can't foresee a civilization on the moon, Mm-mm. you know, stuff like this. It's still way, way, way beyond our reach. Oh, yeah. And if we do get there, we'll probably find that the Minoans got there before us. <laughs> Drink. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for my notes. Um, and that's it for episode 14 of this season. Ten episodes to go. And next week... One I've been looking forward to, Nostradamus. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so awful. So, um, Oliver, tell people where they could find you on the Internet. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Oliver Oxide. Steve? Um, I'm on the Twitter at Doc Pinko. You can find me at AlienCG, and you can find this podcast at IlluminatiPod. And don't we have a recommendation for another podcast? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Well, you know what? We're only at 21 minutes. Oh, well, I will talk very Go slowly. Go ahead, Steve. Give us a recommendation. Oh, my, he's going to speak for three minutes and say nothing. <laughs> I'm an academic. That's my job. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that. but <laughs> I will. Uh, no, it's, it's just that uh, um, there's a, a, a podcast I listen to called a podcast I listen to called Battle of Network Shows by Rick Brooks and uh, Mike Kogel. And um, they're apparently they're listening to our podcast and they gave us a shout out um, on one of their last episodes. Um, and Rick's comment was that he's he's watched the upcoming episodes of In Search Of and he pities us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you where's, where- very much. Do they do they have a Twitter handle or anything like that? Steve? Yeah, it's at Batnet Shows. Okay, Batnet Shows. Yep. Excellent. Hey guys, thanks. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, um, oh, let's see. I confess, I'm from the future. I'm actually a computer. Have a good week, everyone. Turtles, kids. See ya.